Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to have a Lincoln expert, Lauren Jolda, joining the show today. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Lauren is an aspiring leader who connects people to ideas so they unlock potential and achieve the impossible. This is the leadership compass that guides her in her life and career. She believes in the power of relationships, the network, and genuine human connection and has a passion for creating opportunity. She's focused on just that at LinkedIn, where she leads marketing's Rock Your LinkedIn, Rock Your Profile program, a global program that educates, inspires, and empowers people to build their professional profile and connect to opportunity using LinkedIn. In fact, she just authored her first LinkedIn learning course focused on how to build a profile that tells your professional story. Before that, she works on the learning and development team at LinkedIn, where she connected new employees to the information, people, and tools they needed to be productive and successful in their roles. Whether she's facilitating authentic learning experiences or designing interactive learning moments, Lauren is creating one-of-a-kind development opportunities and high-impact learning tools that promote productivity, innovation, and collaboration in the workplace. When not at LinkedIn, you will find Lauren mentoring women, youth, and underserved communities or collaborating with a local nonprofit, Rising International, on building a strategy to empower women and girls in the poorest countries around the world to rise out of poverty and into economic freedom. Holy cow, Lauren. So excited to have you here with us. But I have to start off by embarrassing you, of course. Um, You mentioned as a fun fact that you have a knack for accents specifically British, Scottish, and Russian. So if it's not too much to ask, I'm wondering if we can get a sample of that today. Maybe introduce yourself with one or all of those accents would be lovely. I love it. Yes, I'm always down for a little embarrassment and challenge. And I think I've always had a knack for I don't know where it came from. It started when I was little. And then uh, every show I watch, I pick up a lot from TV with accents. So every show, like as I was watching Bridgerton, there was a lot of accent absorbed absorption there. So my British goes something like this. I'm Lauren Jolda. So excited to be here with all of you today. Can't even tell you um, how much I hope that you get from this session, learning about different things in my career and how to rock your profile and what all that good stuff looks like. So my my British is my strongest one. Fabulous. <laughs> the other two, the other two get interesting. Russian, I sound a little bit spy-esque. So Russian gets a little more like, yes, so excited to be here. Really want to take this moment to go to the side, take, you know, have some fun. Oh my gosh. You know, it just, it gets a little weird. <laughs> Scottish, I'm not even going to do for you. It gets manly and that might not be as, uh, as interesting. So we'll keep it at those two. Lord, I am beyond impressed. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I always try and connect the fun fact to our theme and sometimes it works and sometimes I totally butcher it. But we're going to say that learning new accents totally flows into our theme of lifelong learning. So there we have it. There's our connection. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But to really get us started off today, I'd love to hear more. Going back in time, I'd love to hear about your summer business that you actually developed while you were in college. You, I'm guessing, needed a little money to maybe pay for tuition or rent or whatever it was. So I'd love to have you kind of tell us the story of you know, how did you become motivated enough to start your own little side business? 
Yeah. So I think it happened because of a couple of reasons. So first, when I started that business, I was a student. So I was in college and I was in college on the East Coast in Boston. I would come home to the West Coast to California, where I'm a California native, uh, born and raised. And so I would come home during the summers and need work. And I think what became really clear to me is that one, there was a need for the business that I was creating. So So I think that anytime you start a business, you have to look to see, is there a need out there? And are people actually going to buy this product or this service that I'm offering? And I saw really quickly that there was for childcare and for childcare services. And then the other reasons that I wanted to do kind of my own side hustle was because I looked at so many of my friends doing these different various summer jobs. And I really liked the idea of not having a boss and being my own boss. And when you do your own business, you get to do that. You get to call the shots. You get to decide who you work with, who you take on as customers, who you don't. You don't have somebody else deciding that stuff for you. So that was really attractive to me. And then I think just like the flexibility is so key. And so many people today, right, they start their own side hustles or their own businesses because of that flexibility piece. And so I think for me, especially as a student, having the opportunity to flex to my schedule. And if I had weeks where I wanted to work over 40 hours, I could. And if I had weeks where I just wanted to work three days, I could. And so I think those were the biggest things that really, really appealed to me that I love. But being my own boss was the biggest one. I love that. And I love this idea of asking yourself, is there a need for my service or my product? And starting with that. So I love that. I'm curious as a follow-up question, you know, how did you build your brand or how did you sell the service to people? How did you get the word out about it? Yeah, it's so interesting because I always think about this today, especially being in marketing, is you can build the best business, the best product, the best services. And if no one knows about it, it's not going to matter. So I think for me, the biggest thing was first, I had a mom who I'm really close with my mom for anyone who doesn't know me. And she happened to be an executive in marketing at the time. So she really helped me understand how do you build a brand for yourself and a brand around your business. And also, you know, I think she helped me kind of connect into this idea that branding doesn't have to be this like inauthentic, yucky feeling moment. Because I think so many people think about branding or personal branding or selling yourself. And this idea of like used car salesperson comes up like you're slimy. It doesn't feel good. You're marketing things you may not be able to deliver on. And so I think for me, like my mom really helped me connect into this idea like, no, you can totally brand yourself in an authentic way that feels comfortable for you. And you'll realize like when you do that, it actually helps to sell your services even further. So for me, a lot of the business that I had, it actually started with my mom because she was working with people at her company at the time. And one of the guys on her team had said, Hey, I'm really looking for some childcare for my kids. And you know, do you know of anyone? And she was like, well, Hey, my daughter, blah, blah, blah. So she connected me to those people. And um, I ended up working for this family and I ended up talking to the mom and she was like, you know, this has been really great. Like I actually have a lot of parents at my kids school who I think would be interested in this. Could I share your information with them? And I was like, yeah, you know, sure. And this was kind of like how that idea of a business started growing is again, like seeing the need from that and seeing all these people come back and call me and say, Hey, I'd love to do this. I'd love to have you care for my kids. How does this work? What do you charge? All that good stuff. I 
think that was the moment where I really figured out it's important to have a brand and it's important to have services. And I think for me too, like marketing really happened through word of mouth at first. And I think there's a huge, huge power in word of mouth marketing for people who you have a third party coming in and validating your business and your skills. And then from there, it actually ended up going through a bunch of different channels from like, you know, this was back in the day. I'm not going to date myself, but it was back in the day. So it was like, you know, those little posters that you would put in the right spots that had like the different slips of paper. With yes, very cute. Mail on them, you know, so I try and I actually like now that I think about it, I targeted all the areas where the moms hung out. So targeted marketing in a way. And then I also got, you know, through that one first client that I had because the experience was so positive with her. I actually worked with her to do some marketing and advertising at her kid's school. And she posted on boards and internet boards and stuff like that, which is how this kind of blew up into a business. So again, back to your question on brand, I think for me, you know, when you think about brand, it's the definition. It's really the sum of every single experience somebody has with something in the case of a product or with someone in the case of personal branding. And I think for my brand, I really wanted it to be a business that was personal, that felt customized and that, you know, that's kind of how it stood apart from other providers. Absolutely. Well, I love this idea of word of mouth. I have seen that principle time and time again, um, proved to be so effective, you know, whether it's marketing on campus about an event or trying to sell something. I mean, that's always just been a really successful thing that I've learned in school, but also seen in practice. I also love this idea of building an authentic brand, which is kind of what I think you're getting at. You know, it's not just a brand that is well-recognized, but it's a brand that people can connect with and that is needed. And so I really love those two ideas paired together. I think you've maybe already hinted at or or answered this follow-up question that I had, but I'm curious, looking at all of these little skills that you were learning along the way as you, you started this business, what is maybe one of the most important skills you gained from that experience that you still use today? Yeah, so many. (laughs) You look back at like your career and you see there's these things that happened earlier on that you use 100% today. I think one big one for me was really the needs assessment landscape. Like really understanding how do you do a needs assessment? How do you understand what are the gaps? And then what are the solutions that you're bringing in to fill those gaps? And also like, how are you going to do that in a way that's different from everybody else? Because, you know, you have all these people offering childcare services. Why are they coming to me versus someone else out there? So I think the needs assessment piece was really important because you can't build or start a business or a side hustle again without having the need be really clear for that service or product. And you know, I think the importance of marketing, the right channels to market, like we were talking about, like is it flyers? Is it word of mouth? Is it, you know, from a school bulletin board? Like what are those right avenues and right channels to reach the right audience? And then also how do you build up that third party credibility? Because again, brand is is really rooted in trust. And our old CEO at LinkedIn, Jeff Wiener, used to talk about this all the time. And he would say, you know, trust equals consistency over time. And so I think that third party credibility bringing in, you know, over time, are you consistently delivering and having someone to back you up on that is so key when you're building your brand and business. And then like, how do you differentiate yourself in the market? I kind of talked about that a little bit before, but how is the service that you're going to be offering different? And I think, 
think for me, it was this really customized experience. Like every parent I would take on as a customer, I actually met with them to do a kickoff session. And we would talk about like, Hey, you know, what do you want? Do you just want like after school care for the kids? Are there specific behavioral issues that you finding your kids are having that you want them to work on? Are there specific things you want them to work on? Or is there homework we're helping with? So it was really custom tailored to each parent and each kid. And so I think that's how I set myself apart. It wasn't just this general like, hey, I'm coming to watch your kids. It was really like, what are those goals? And how am I going to help you, you know, to meet those with the time that I spend with your kids? Lauren, it's it's evident to me that prior to even gaining maybe a formal education, you know, at a college or university, you were already a learner. You were already invested in learning on your own and taking that initiative. But let's move into kind of that college setting. So you decided to major in psychology and Spanish. And then your first job out of college was with an HR firm. So I'd love to have you kind of talk about that experience and maybe bridge the gap. You know, how did you translate the skills that you gained maybe in this great degree? How did that actually become a job in HR? What what did that transition look like? Yeah. So it's interesting. When I originally went to school and majored in psychology and Spanish, my goal was not to be anywhere of where I am today. So if I could leave any message with your students, I would say it's okay not to have a plan. It's okay to go to college, major in one thing, think that you're going to be doing that thing and then graduate and go on a completely different path. And so I actually had this whole notion of, I want to get a PhD in psychology. I want to open my own private clinical practice and I want to help people. And my goal with the Spanish was I can bring this back to California and be even more marketable because I can be bilingual. That didn't happen. So when I graduated from college and I realistically looked at, for me, I like school. It wasn't my most favorite thing in the world. And I actually, I really struggled in the classroom. The traditional classroom setting is just tough for me to learn in. I would say I'm more of a hands-on learner. So for me, school was challenging. Like my undergrad was challenging getting through those four years. So when I looked at psychology and and getting a PhD and the fact that you do like four to five to six more years of school and a research thesis and all this crazy stuff. I was like, there's no way I can't do this. It's not for me. So that was actually the moment where I graduated and tapped into my network of people and, you know, did a lot of reaching out actually on LinkedIn in the early days of LinkedIn and just talked to a bunch of different people about here's the things that I love about psychology. I love that it's about helping people. I I love that it's about changing people's behaviors and really supporting them to achieve their goals for whatever those goals are. You know, when you're a therapist or you're a clinical psychologist, you have someone coming to you, they want to change behavior or they want to stop a specific pattern or they have goals for themselves they want to achieve. And the question is really, how do you help them do that? So as I started talking with different people in my network, what I realized was that a lot of the passions that I brought up that I love about psychology, the reoccurring theme from those conversations was, hey, you checked out like HR, this thing called human resources. It's all over corporate America. And it might be something based on the things you love that, you know, you could translate some of the learnings that you've had and translate your degree into. So I was like, no, because, you know, at the time I was like, what's HR? I've never even heard of that. I don't, I don't know what that is. So the more people I talked to, the more I realized, Hey, that's probably a field that I should check out. And I ended up finding this job at a very small, it was an executive boutique recruiting service firm and started on kind of like as a junior recruiter, just basically matching candidates to, you know, positions at companies and recruiting. So that was kind of my first experience in HR. And then the translation of understanding, you know, there's so many things I love about psychology that can translate over directly to that field. 
such an interesting path. And I love that you kind of encountered this challenge of saying, you know, I realize that realistically, and maybe I don't want to spend the next 10 years in school. So I need to come up with a new option. And I love that you didn't shut down because of that. You saw that as an opportunity to learn something new, to figure out a new path. And so I think that's a really healthy and um, impressive mindset that I think we all can strive to develop, you know, more of is saying rather than seeing this as a roadblock, this is just an obstacle that I can overcome and I can learn from. So I really love that. As a follow-up question, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what exactly you fell in love with with HR. I know you've mentioned the people aspect was definitely a huge part of that, but I'd also love to hear what you learned from HR that has transferred into LinkedIn and other places as well. Yeah. So I think, God, there's so many different things. But again, for me, it was the people aspect that I fell in love with. HR in organizations is really focused on how do we grow and develop the people within our company? And how do we help them get the skills that they need to be really successful in their jobs? So I fell in love with that component. I fell in love with putting people first and also helping them get unstuck, like really having people understand and think I've got all these obstacles, so I can't actually do this. You know, I want to be on the track to be a manager, but I don't have the skills to be a manager. And it's like, yeah, well, actually you do if you sit and take a look at it and, you know, we can help you get those skills. So I think it was really that piece. And, you know, you talked a little bit about my mission in the beginning. Like I really believe most of my career has been focused on connecting people into those ideas that really help them unlock their potential and that help them get unstuck. And so I think that was the biggest thing that I really, really loved about HR. And then as for the the skills that, you know, I learned that helped me today so much, I even think back to recruiting. And the other thing I'll say like about recruiting, just to be clear for everyone, this was like my first job out of school, right? I didn't love it. I actually went into that role. I did it for about a year and said to myself, this is not my jam. I do not enjoy recruiting. And I was good at it. So another like maybe gem of knowledge that I'd leave with this group is like, you know, it's just as valuable to find out the things that you don't love as it is to find out the things that you love. And that was a moment where I was like, I don't love this, but people could mistake it for something I love because I was good at it. And sometimes the things you're good at aren't necessarily going to be the things that fuel you up and get you inspired and get you excited. So important distinction that I learned there. But I think back to recruiting and, you know, one of the skills that I learned in that space was listening. Like, how do you really listen to the needs of somebody? How do you listen to the needs of the customer who's the company that's trying to fill a role? And you've got a hiring manager who's like, I want this type of person who has these types of skills, who has this type of background, who can fit into our culture, which is this. And then really listening to the candidates of like, what's the experience you have? What's the skills you bring to the table? What are the cultures you thrive in? So I think listening was such a big part of recruiting that I still use today all the time. And the other thing I would say too, is like the ability to pivot real time, learn that really, really quickly, especially in recruiting, because you know, one of the things is we would have hiring managers who would say, Hey, the needs of our business just shifted, or we had a product launch and now it's changed this, this, and this. So now instead of looking for this type of person, we're looking for this type of candidate. So I would have to shift the search that I was doing to accommodate that. So I think that was really key. And then, you know, also like relationship building. I think relationships are the key to success to kind of get anything done. And so I think that relationship building and networking and not just building the relationships in the network, but leveraging it and tapping into it, definitely a skill that I I still use today all the time. 
I love this idea of getting unstuck, helping people get unstuck. I feel like as a career coach, more times than not, I'm doing the same thing. I'm working with students who have a problem that they're stumped on and they're stuck. And so I help people get unstuck. So I love that idea of recognizing that something in the job that you love is helping people get unstuck. And then I also just love this idea too of connecting with people and building meaningful relationships to get work done. I think that's such an incredible skill regardless of the field that you're in. And so I I really appreciate you touching on that. As a follow-up to kind of both of these two last questions that I've given, looking at your college experience and then contrasting that with a full-time position where you were working, I'm curious, and I know, again, you've already hinted at this a little bit, but I'm curious, you know, what were some of the advantages of learning in the classroom versus learning in real time, maybe, you know, on the job? Yeah, I would say classroom. And again, like I'll be real, I wasn't the biggest fan of classroom learning. But I think one of the things that I did love about it a lot was the structure. Like I'm a very structured, organized person. So in a classroom, you get structure, it's more formal, and you get structured feedback on how you're doing. Like you have those different check-in points of tests or research papers or other things that give you that structured feedback. And I don't think you necessarily get that in the workplace. So I was a really big fan fan of that structured piece and that more formalized piece of learning. And then you compare that to the workplace. I think that what's different about the workplace and what I really loved is you get to practice the skills that you're learning real time. So there's this sense of, you know, in the classroom, you're learning about these skills. You may not necessarily be applying them right then and there, but you're learning about them. In the real world, you're learning as you go and you're pivoting real time and you're flexible and changing moment to moment. Some Sometimes you get that really great feedback if you have a good manager, if you have a good team that's letting you know how you're doing and checking in along the way. Sometimes you don't. So that's where, you know, a classroom could be a little more advantageous. But, you know, I think research shows that 75% of people learn best when they can practice by doing. 90% of people learn best when they can teach that skill to another person. So I think for me, that's where I thrive is really that practice by doing. And, you know, in a workplace, you have the opportunity to teach skills to other people people when you're working with a team or you're onboarding someone who's new to your team or things like that. So I think that would be the advantages to both. Absolutely. Love both of those. And I I appreciate you contrasting them just to see some of the pros and cons that at least for you felt true. My next question. So we've been talking about college. We kind of moved into the HR field. Then you make a jump to Yahoo where you start to really get to do some of this storytelling. You share the brand's mission, their culture, the vision, and you're trying to attract some top talent. You also initiated employee programs. So talk to us about this experience and how this knowledge prepared you for your next career step to LinkedIn. Yeah. So I think Yahoo was such a wonderful experience to have so early in my career. I feel so lucky that I was able to land that job. And I would say too, like to everyone, that's another big thing that I would throw out there. When this job opportunity came up, it was from someone in my network who I actually did informational interviews with right after I exited college and was trying to determine like, do I pursue psychology or do I pursue this thing called HR? And she had remembered me from the informational interviews that we did. And she'd actually reached out and said, Hey, there's this opportunity. It's a contract opportunity, but is it something you'd be interested in? And I remember just looking at that job description and like my heart sank. And I was just like, 
um, this isn't me. Like I don't have any of this experience. It was a program manager type role. It was working with engineers. It was in a big tech company like Yahoo had an incredible reputation at the time, an incredible brand and was one of the top tech companies in Silicon Valley at that time. And so I said to myself, like, there's no way I'm not going to be able to do this. So I actually sat down with my mom and uh, I showed her this job description. I was like, do you think I should go for this? Like this seems way above me. I barely have a year of experience out of college. And, you know, she said to me, look, the biggest thing is they're just going to say no. And if you don't go for it, you'll never know. So you might as well just go for it because you'll just be back right where you started here. And I was like, okay, that's a really good point. So, you know, I would say to people out there who look at the job, and this happens to be mostly women who do this, who look at the job and say, I don't need 110% of the qualifications, so I'm not going to go for it go for it. Like go for it every single time. So I did and I interviewed and I ended up landing the contract role. It was an incredible experience because it gave me so many opportunities to learn in terms of some of the things that you just talked about, like storytelling, how do you represent this company and this brand at big industry conferences and events? How do you build programs for the engineers to keep them engaged and excited about their roles? So it was a great experience. And then after, you know, it was was about a six or so month contract. I was covering for someone who was on maternity leave. They came back. And from that experience, the woman who I was reporting to, she actually said, Hey, like love working with you. We have these new jobs opening up in the HR side. They're full-time roles. Would you be interested in interviewing for them? And I said, yeah, of course. Like I'm loving Yahoo. I fell in love with the company. I fell in love with the culture and the people. And they just kind of gave me opportunities that I don't know many companies would give to like a brand new fresh out of college kid. So I did. I ended up switching into the HR side of the house. So I joined a team of HR business partners that was supporting the product business. I was an HR coordinator. That's where I started. And I learned so much. The biggest things Yahoo taught me was get comfortable with change. Because in about my three years that I worked there, we went through about five CEOs in about that time. And that's a lot. Like for anyone who's worked in a company, you know, when you have a CEO changeover, everything changes. Like the vision of the company can change. The products can change. The way you do things change. The way you're organized can change. So I had to get really comfortable really quickly with like change actually being the constant. And that was something that I wasn't super confident with before I got to Yahoo. And like such a great lesson that that company taught me in terms of getting comfortable and like just rolling with it. And then I think, you know, piece around how do you build the right relationship? in a company? Like, how do you navigate that on a team? And I think for me, you know, another really interesting thing that happened was I started working my way up to kind of climb this path to become an HR business partner. I remember my boss at the time sat down with me and I had been like promoted a couple of times and she said, Hey, like you're on this track to become an HR business partner. I think in the next promotion, we're going to make it happen. Like, this is so exciting. How are you feeling? Are you loving it? And I looked at her and I was just like, I love love the feedback, but I'm not into it. (laughs) I actually don't think this is how I want to grow my career. I don't want to be an HRVP. It's not my jam. Again, like the importance of learning the things that you don't love. I was like, it's really not my jam. And what became really clear to me from that experience was when you're an HR business partner, you're doing everything under the sun in HR and you're specializing that to a specific business group. And in my case, it was our products business folks. What I fell in love with was I said, I really want to be a subject matter expert in a specific area. 
like learning and development, and then roll that out to a whole company. But I want to be a subject matter expert in my craft. So luckily, I had that conversation with her and she was like, okay, great. Like, let's figure out how to support you in this career path. It might not be on my team, but would love to support you to do that. And that was where I started building some great relationships who I still have with people today, by the way. Like one of the people from my old team at Yahoo is actually at LinkedIn today. She's still one of my mentors in my career. And I started plugging into what are the projects that these different business partners are working on that I could kind of like take on in my free time and help them with to get exposure to this field of learning and training and development because they were doing them. And it was a really a matter of figuring out how do I plug myself in there? So I did. And from that, you know, started to gain a little bit of experience in learning and development with manager development programs, with product specific onboarding. And then, you know, that was when I had made a connection at Yahoo. She had left a year prior and gone to this company called LinkedIn that at the time hadn't even gone public yet. And she was building up a small but mighty learning and development team. And I had reached out to her and said, Hey, you know, would love to just do a check-in and have an informational chat. And from there, she ended up having a role on her team and said, do you want to come join? And that's how I landed to LinkedIn. Amazing. One of my favorite nuggets that I pulled from that that I really, really love is change is the constant. And I think that is such a great lesson to learn at any point in your life, but especially as we are struggling with COVID-19 and everything else. What an applicable lesson. So kind of transitioning that now, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you are currently doing for LinkedIn. So I guess you can kind of walk us through the transition from Yahoo to LinkedIn. And then I would love to hear about what projects you're currently working on with LinkedIn. Yeah. So currently I am leading, like you said at the beginning, I lead LinkedIn's Rock Your Profile program. So I sit in the marketing organization and that program is really focused on educating a range of different members. So our members, our customers, our partners, companies, organizations, students, and we're focused on educating them. How do you build a great profile that tells your true professional story that highlights your skills that speaks to your accomplishments. And then once you've done that, how do you then leverage the rest of the LinkedIn platform to go and connect to opportunity in whatever way that means to you? Because I think for different groups of people, that value proposition means very different things. So the Rock Your Profile, this like role came about in a really interesting way. It didn't exist before. And it was actually something I worked in partnership with our CMO at the time to build. Like I basically just crafted my own role. So that's another thing I would leave for people here is like, if you see something at a company that maybe doesn't exist, but you see, again, it goes back to the need, right? You see a clear need for it and you see that teams want it, pitch an idea to people and see what happens. Like I pitched this idea to the CMO and to some folks on her leadership team and said, hey, through conversations with you all, it seems like it's really clear there's a need for someone to actually build up a Rocket Profile program. You know, we have a deck, it's sitting on a random site and that's pretty much it. But some of the gaps were that there wasn't one place where all this information lived. All of our employees, depending on the access to the resources they had, would be leading these Rocket Profile sessions. Some may be having the most current content that they're speaking to, some may not. 
that. So the messaging was a little inconsistent. And I think after I had those conversations, I fell in love with Rock Your Profile because it goes back to focusing on that mission. Like you're helping people get unstuck. In many cases, you're helping people find jobs. You're helping them build profiles that tell their stories so they can go after whatever that next thing is for them, whether it's a job, whether it's becoming an influencer, whether it's um, hiring talent to their team, whatever that thing is. So I think I fell in love with it for the economic opportunity front and helping to create that for people in the world. And I pitched this random idea to her and said, hey, based on these gaps, here's what I think we could do. Here's what I think I could do as an official role. If it's something that you agree with, like, let me know if you have the headcount to have me come over to the marketing side and I'll, I'll do this role for you. And I full on expected her to say, thanks, but no thanks. This is wonderful. You've thought this out well, but I do not need this and I don't have headcount. And instead she came back and said, love this, love your ideas, created headcount, talk to your manager, get her on board. Let's have you transition over to the marketing team. And so I did. So that was about, I want to say like three and a half, four years or so ago. And then I've been building up this Rock Your Profile program ever since. So now it's an official program. We, like you said, anyone can have access to it because it's available for free. So basically, yeah. So today, Rock Your Profile is an official program. We have an ambassador program that I train our employees across the company to teach these Rock Your Profile sessions. We have an internal microsite that our employees leverage. It's a one-stop shop where all the content lives. And you know, we've got official ways for companies and partners to request a Rock Your Profile to bring to their company in ways that we track uh, metrics for success as an official program. So it's been such a great learning experience and also just a joy to like do something that's so aligned with my passions, but also have so much learning along the way because I wasn't too familiar with marketing until I joined and the transition from HR to marketing is very different. So it was a, it's been such an awesome experience. I feel like a couple of common themes that I've heard throughout all of these different little stories is build relationships, identify gaps, and propose a new idea. And I feel like through all of these experiences, you continue to apply that process. And I love that you've hit on the importance of networking, which really just goes back to building professional relationships with people, right? And I can't stress enough how important that aspect is because you're absolutely right. That is what provides the opportunity. That is where the door opens is through the people that you know. And so as you continue to build your network, the opportunities also continue to increase. And so I really, really appreciate you hitting on that as well. Well, Lauren, we are just about out of time, sadly, but I do have one final question for you today. And that question is, if you could offer up one piece of advice to our listeners about developing a lifelong learning mindset as they develop their careers, what would it be? Yeah, it's such an awesome question. I love that we're ending on this because I'm such a learning nerd. I think, you know, there's a quote by Benjamin Franklin and it goes, tell me and I forget teach me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. And I think that pretty much sums up how I think about that lifelong learning mindset is get involved and find those moments to get hands on and continue learning. You know, never stop being curious, never stop questioning why or how things are done or bringing new perspectives to the table. And I'm a big believer in always challenging the system and asking, you know, why not? So that's what I leave with your listeners. Lauren, can't thank you enough again for your time today. I've so appreciated our conversation. I've learned a lot and I know our listeners are going to really 
really learn a lot as well. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you, Marissa, for having me. I appreciate it. Check out Lauren's LinkedIn learning course, Rocking Your LinkedIn Profile, by visiting the link in the episode's bio below. Thanks for joining us here at the Career Studio today. Please join us next week as we continue to discuss this month's theme of lifelong learning. Thank you.